0: This is Reasons to be Mindful, a podcast about everyday people who practice some form of meditation to make life easier and more enjoyable.
1: You know, when you're sitting in meditation, somebody might look at you and think like, oh my God, they're off in some astral plane, you know, whatever. And actually, you're right there in the room. You're probably more there than you are normally, right? Because you're less wrapped up in your your BS.
0: (laughs) 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 i'm your host jen hill founder of right brain liaisons and i'm interested in how people apply different techniques and practices to keep their mind fit healthy and better able to deal with the unavoidable challenges of being human today on the podcast i'm chatting with mark gregory Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Flinders University, about his long-term Zen meditation practice. Zen meditation, often referred to as sitting, is an ancient Buddhist tradition that dates back to the 7th century China. I began by asking Mark when and how he first got into it.
1: long time ago. I was, I think, about 19, uh, first year in uni, and um, I was uh, like a lot of, you know, first year in uni kids, I was sort of pretty experimental and, you know, out doing as many exciting things as I could and, you know, along the the list of those things I had heard about meditation and and people spoke about it, you know, in sometimes spiritual terms, sometimes in pragmatic terms. And then at other times people were talking about, you know, enlightenment and feelings of intense joy and I I gotta try this. And I found a course that the university had on in Zen Buddhism. And it included all the sort of background and history, like a typical university course, but it was also uh, the practice. And the teacher was great. And, you know, I just got, you know, as soon as I started the course, I just devoured everything I could read. It was fascinating. And we started to do sitting. And, and the teacher taught us to sit. And we went and, you know, sat you know, with others in the local Zen community. And after that, a number of my friends and I just kept going. We can go and meditate on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I just kept doing it. And over time, it just became part of my life. And, you know, that was, you know, what, 30-some, 34 or 33 years ago now. You know, I've been kind of doing it most of my life. So, you know, now it's just sort of embedded in my life.
0: Zen meditation is is a fairly specific style of meditation. Is that still the the technique that you practice? Or have you kind of modified it um, in a way to suit you?
1: Yeah, so I I learned in a particular school even of Zen, which is Soto Zen, which is a very very sparse type of meditation. There's no you know special magic to it. There's no special steps. You know <laughs> you know you, you more or less you know sit on a cushion, staring downward or staring at a wall. There's very little in it to focus on. You almost intentionally are not counting breaths. You're not listening to bells. You're not you know doing um, you know activities that are about focusing on, in fact, you're trying to clear your mind in a situation in which there's almost nothing to hold your attention. Uh, and it, what it does is it, you know, it's a very concentrative sort of emptiness, if you will, a concentrative sort of mind clearing, because there's nothing else to focus on. Uh, and it's, so it's very sparse, And but I find it to be a very kind of powerful separation from other things because you're you're going through this sort of acceptance of meditation and you're and you're clearing your mind but you're doing it in a context in which you know there really is no stimulus at all you know and so what you immediately identify in that is what stimulus is coming from your own mind and you know of course that's a great challenge with meditation right I mean things are coming up in your own mind and you're sort of like you know I know I'm sitting here staring at a wall so that feeling or that sensation or that thought or that thing is obviously within me, and then you're accepting that and letting it go. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, and you know, but that, but that practice is very um, uh, intense form of practice, I think. And I still do that, although I've had a chance to meditate with others and, and other you know, styles of uh, practice, most of them stemming from some form of Buddhism. I I've sat for a good chunk of time with a, a guy who was a Tibetan Buddhist and learned a lot from that guy in his meditation practice as well.
0: After such a long time of practice, how would you describe the benefits?
1: So I, gotta, I have to walk a very delicate line with that because I, I'd say that in, the, in you know, Zen schools, you know, they really encourage, you know, both non-attachment but also not a gaining idea, the idea that, you know, you do this meditation, you're, you know, you're going to get this, this great thing. But you look, I mean, it, it does uh, reveal a great deal to you I mean, it reveals things to you as a, as a form of insight. But, you know, really it's this time, this chance to be away from the person that you otherwise are, you know, it's a chance to be away from self and that gives you a variety of perspectives. You know, I mean, it sort of, you know, calls into the question, you know, all of your realities, whatever they are, whether they're stressors or things you believe in or things that you're happy about or things that you're pursuing or you desire or whatever it is, you suddenly have a place from which you can view those somewhat detached and objectively. And that's extraordinarily powerful because, you know, we're we're living our lives at all times. We're kind of wrapped up in our lives. And the metaphor that we use a lot is we're kind of like working hard, doing our thing, and then we go on vacation, on a vacation in some separate state. You know, we then gain some perspective. And then we go back to doing the thing that we were doing. Well, meditation is, is like a third thing you can do. I mean, it's sort of a vacation from self, if you will. It's sort of stopping saying, wait a second, what if all these things that I conceive of as myself and all these things that I worry about and think about and, and you know, all my sense of I, what if I just let that quiet down for a while and let and separate myself from it for a while? And and then as you sort of return to self, you gain the extraordinary perspective of thinking like, well, you know, that thing that I was concerned about, it's not, not that terribly real. And neither is the thing that I desire and neither is the thing that you know, my, my knee hurts, but it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And certainly not in the sort of, you know, the meditative state. It's sort of clear that your physical being as well is not all that damn important, really. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, uh, and so it's that opportunity to, to, you know, leave and return to living that I think gives you an extraordinary richness and a sort of freedom, too. And you can use that as a tool. And you'll get a certain degree of value, I think, out of it using it as just, that, just that alone as a tool, just that opportunity to sort of separate from life and return. But if you keep going with meditation, there's a great deal more. It's a much deeper well than, than just that, that experience of sort of separation and, and return. You know? So there's, there's a lot to be learned through continuing and keep, you know, keep driving through. Uh, or you know, learned is possibly the wrong word, but you know, to, there's a lot to, to experience. Also, I think that practice makes you much more aware of emotions. It sort of teaches you to say, well, I feel like this right now. I feel like, you know, it's like a non-judging, you know, I'm angry about that situation. And it, people sometimes think like, oh, if you do this meditation, you'll never be angry. Well, bullshit, you absolutely get angry. You, know? <laughs> you get angry and you get sad and you get, you know, but you get but you look at them in a really different way because you, you, you now have these times in which you can sort of look at it and hold it and, and just embrace, well, I'm going to be angry now. And I can see the facets of it. And I can see how it changes my physical nature and my judgment. And, you know, it's just a little bit. This is almost like being temporarily another person observing you being angry. But a, a loving, compassionate person that doesn't want to do anything about it necessarily other than just say, you know, hey, you know, do the right thing. And sometimes, you know, we go for days and we're not sensitive to all our own emotions. But sitting actually makes you. A lot more sensitive to, because because you, when you're sitting, you're sort of like, well, I've got this emotion, I like, it's really obvious. And then when you're not sitting, you're just much more aware of the, you know, like, oh, I feel this way right now. And that's a very handy tool. That's a very handy thing to to develop.
0: What would you say to someone who seems threatened by that that sense of inquiry into the self?
1: I think people do fear, and I got to say, you know, in varying points in my life, I fear letting go of things that I identify with, you know, I mean, you, you know, and in, in the nature of meditation, and certainly Zen meditation is that you're letting go of quite a bit, you know, that's scary. And I think people like to have beliefs, and they like to have, you know, strong values, and they like to not question themselves. And so the idea that you're sort of, you know, going off on the mountain, as it were, and coming back a potentially different person is scary to people. But, you know, so I think everybody everybody possibly fears transitions and letting go and all that. And I think you have to let people fear that.
0: You're listening to Reasons to be Mindful, a podcast for people interested in bringing more mindfulness, i.e. presence, into daily life. You have a very senior job with I imagine a lot of pressure and responsibility. How can meditation practice influence one's work life?
1: yeah, I think if you if you practice um, any any form of meditation uh, you know for any length of time uh, it's going to influence all aspects of your life, your social aspects of your life your your work aspects of your life and and I would say largely in a way that's going to be probably grounding and calming and, and allow you to accept a great deal more of variation in thinking and allow you to accept a variation in situations and, you know, still pursue goals and still get work done, but in a way that is not so convinced of your own vision. It's interesting because I think practice, you know, makes you incredibly energetic in some ways because you've got this sort of deep well of clear mind that, you know, can make you enormously energetic at the same time, it reduces your certainty enormously about what then to do next, you know, <laughs> other than sort of a sense of compassion. <laughs> I and mean, this gets, gets you into a really interesting space because, you know, you have all this sort of energy and interest in doing things, but, you know, your mind has been cleared to the point where walking down the street is a beautiful thing to do, and, you know, and cutting your grass is fantastic. And, and you know, so this can be this sort of like a motivational characteristic to it, And it doesn't need to be that way. You can still embrace things that you think are important, and that's something I've struggled with kind of throughout my working career. Is you know I'd be just as happy doing something remarkably simple, but I'm doing something remarkably complex. But then I have to stop and say, well, actually, you know, I've learned to do complex things, and so I should just do them and try to do them with clear, clear mind and and balance and all that. Yeah, so I think it helps a lot with work. It certainly, you know, I I try to tell my my seventeen year old daughter this, you know. When I spend a day working, I don't, it's not like, you know, something that's a counter to play a day working is just as fun as a day of play. And I mean, it's just, you know, cause I'm working, I'm doing a thing that, I, that I'm embracing and in some days aren't that great, but you know I mean? It's like for the most part, you know, work and play start to blur a lot when you've, when you've been practicing for a long time because you can be very present and be very sort of dedicated and all in and, and, and both work and play. Uh, and in fact, some, you know, I would say probably far more than sitting meditation. I do, you know, sort of housework meditation, you know, I mean, I do, I do <laughs> you know, if I can do some woodworking or, you know, work on an old building and, you know, repair something and, you know, I get zoned deeply into it, it's a flow experience and it's great at the end of a day of doing, that, I just feel fantastic you know? because I did the whole time I didn't sit there saying, well, I really should be out in my pool having a mm-hmm. beer. You know, <laughs> I, was, I was I was doing this thing, and I was just totally into doing that, and then I'm out in my pool having a beer, and I love them doing that you know so it's that's the interesting thing about it I think as practice influences work it kind of uh, it changes the way you approach everything really it's a Shakespeare you know nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so Absolutely.
0: Um, indeed
1: another thing I think that comes especially out of the, the Soto Zen school is a bit of probably strictness and Intensity. Uh, I had a teacher who used to say that you're going to sit and you're going to do no thing—not nothing, but no thing—with such intensity of paying attention that you break sweat. And that's kind of that's very much the sort of Soto of Zen way of thinking about things, you know. But how that affects you, maybe as a as a manager and as a person in a work context, is that your intensity probably pisses a lot of people off. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> they want to go home it's it's five o'clock and you don't even care what time it is because you're still going and you're like you're you know deep into some things so uh, as much as probably you gain some benefits uh from a leadership standpoint i think you probably also pick up some characteristics that are hard for other people to deal with
0: you know you win some you lose some
1: (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) do you practice formally every day
1: no i don't i i probably have meditative time every day but I don't I'm not a everyday get up I'm just not that rigid and organized you know there are times in my life when I was there are times in my life when I get up every day usually in the morning and sit but I'm probably a fair weather meditator now you know like I I probably meditate a lot more when I'm already sort of in the moment you know and I just think oh well I know where to take this (laughs) (laughs) if I can go on a nice hike and I'm having a beautiful day and I see a spot that looks like it'd be good to sit in, then I'll sit then for maybe a half hour or an hour and just you know, really enjoy that meditation you know, in that context. This is already a nice hike and I'm gonna make it really great now. You know, so.
0: What a beautiful thing to do. It sounds yeah. like, uh, particularly with your years of experience, that you've been successful at integrating the skills and the principles just into daily life. So perhaps yeah. you're informally meditating and don't need to sit as much
1: I guess so I mean it's accurate I guess to say that you know after doing this through my life I regularly fall into kind of meditative work or flow work whatever I'm doing and I regularly fall into it and I might sort of recognize at a certain point I really haven't had much of a thought for the last hour <laughs> you
0: know? How peaceful. and it's
1: just it, 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 yeah you know I mean it is you, you know and then and and then after, then, as you start to then return to kind of the collection of things that you're thinking about, uh, then, then you just sort of feel highly energized and, and comfortable in a way, and, you know, and it lets you observe the things that are in your life that you're thinking about really clearly.
0: Mark, do you have any practical tips that you would share with someone who might be starting out interested in meditation and wanting to give it a go?
1: Well, uh, you know, I would say... There are a lot of different, you know, ways to meditate, and I would try a number of them because, you know, you know, some might work better for you than others, and trialing different types of uh, meditation. I'd say that's one of them. The other thing I'd say is that you really got to be careful about this gaining idea, and this is a very Zen thing to say, but, you know, if you sit and say, well, I'm going to you know, become enlightened, or I'm going to have this fabulous experience, or I'm, all my stressors are going to go away, I'm going to solve this problem that I have, or whatever. Um, you're going to be disappointed because it's just not that fast. It's a little bit like, you know, sort of saying, I'm going to go to the gym and then I'm going to be an athlete, you know, and you know, you're going to go to the gym and you're going to work out and then you're going to be sore and then you're going to get a little stronger and then you're going to go to the gym again. And You know, it's more, probably a better metaphor. But the other thing too is that you may sit for a half an hour and have one second of really peaceful beautiful mind you know sort of big mind you know where where, you you really suddenly are are, you know non-dual you know you're there and that's what you know honestly that's worth it a lot of people think that's a failure my god I just sat for an hour so it's one moment that I thought was interesting (laughs) what you got to do is recognize that's a very long and important moment and a great deal can be learned from that one moment of Perspective away from self, right, and away from uh, from form, if you will, from you know, from the, the beliefs, the, the world of ten thousand things. So even those seconds are super valuable, and 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 that, in some ways, is one of the hardest things: is that one feels like they should make more progress. You know, it's like a candle in the corner of a room, and you know, initially you see the candle, and over time. The candle's lighting the room, and, and then you're standing next to the candle. And, you know, when you just see the flicker of a possibly a candle in the corner of the room in your early times meditating, yeah, pay attention to that. <laughs> you know, keep paying attention. Keep going, you know. Another enormous cul-de-sac you get stuck in is... Is passivity, or thinking that you know things are going to wash over you, or you know, this is an active business of paying attention. You know, meditation is an active thing. It's not. It doesn't look like it. You know, people are sitting there and they look spaced out, but actually you're paying attention quite intensely, and and clearing your mind quite intensely. And, you know, it's, it's it, you know it's a mistake to get just sort of about a point of peace or comfort, and then just think like, oh, I've done that. That's relaxation, really, more than meditation. And yeah, and you know, if you really come down to it, I mean, a lot of practice is, is is quieting thinking, quieting the sorts of thinking that you know might be good and also bad. You know, I mean, the hard part for people to grasp is, I think, sometimes that you know you also don't want to meditate just so you're in an ecstatic happy state. You know, because <laughs> that's also a bit of an illusion, right? I mean, you, you know, you have to let go of that as much. Uh, or when you're not in that state, you'll be struggling. Then you know, I mean, it's sort of like you you, you have to learn to calm the, your mind in a variety of aspects and then return from that that's probably the advice i give
0: thanks to mark gregory for the fun and funny chat and for sharing the insights inspiration and tips from his long terms and meditation practice next week i'll be chatting with doggy grub founders Candace olivier and Lockie mcgoff about their meditation practice Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Rate and review the podcast if you feel inclined. Check out the links from today's episode in the podcast summary. Visit me at my website, rightbrainliasants.com. Follow us on social media and give Zen a try. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and bye for now.